Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk about where we find peace. And as we get going here, I need to let you know and sort of apologize, I guess, for I don't know how bad my voice is going to sound on the recording, but I feel like it sounds pretty rough. We've had a lot of temperature changes kind of up and down lately around West Michigan, and I don't know if it's that or allergies or something, but I've been sounding like this for a little while now, and it's just part of the deal. So if it's really annoying, sorry. Hopefully you don't notice it too bad, but just wanted to let you know that ahead of time. And so looking at finding peace, I started thinking through all the different ways that whether explicitly or implicitly we think or we're taught or we're hoping that some external thing that some change in circumstance that some change in our behavior can bring about peace and so I started to think of all the different ways that are promoted or suggested or recommended for people who are trying to find peace. And it's interesting because I came up with, I don't know, six or seven or eight. We'll see how many of them, uh, you know, I want to keep talking about as we go here. But it's interesting because most of these things that we're going to talk about, there's people who recommend the thing on both ends of the spectrum. All right, so I'll just give you the first one. I think that'll make a little bit more sense. So some people talk about the way you find peace is you acquire stuff, right? We know that there are a whole lot of people and maybe they don't say it like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do because when I get this, then I think, man, I'll have arrived. Um, My wife and I, we moved into our new home that we had been way behind schedule, way renovating. If you've been listening, you've heard me share slash complain, maybe is a better way to describe it, about our journey through this a little bit. And we've been in the house now as I'm recording this for, I think, three and a half weeks or something like that. And at the beginning when we got in there, it was like, oh, man. I can just relax. This is such a such a great moment of uh, the thing I have in my head is a, a letdown. It's not it's not a letdown, but we could finally let down. That's not even a thing. We could finally relax and just enjoy. And we're surrounded by boxes of stuff that we don't know exactly where it's all going to go. But living in there was just so peaceful. And that was true for, like I say, we've been there for three and a half weeks now, and that's starting to or already has worn off because stuff doesn't bring us peace. And we know people that are hoping this dream house or this dream car or this dream relationship or whatever it is that we're chasing after, thinking, man, that's going to bring peace. And I think of 
Some of you probably have heard this joke before from the comedian Daniel Tosh. He had a joke, and I don't remember it word for word, but the idea is he said, you know, people tell you that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. And have you ever seen somebody frowning riding around on a jet ski? He's kind of poking fun at that idea that we all have in the back of our heads that stuff, that money, that acquiring more and more and more will bring satisfaction and fulfillment and peace. Because whether we admit it or not, we all sort of have that idea in the back of our heads. So acquiring stuff, like I say, there's that's one end of the spectrum of the way that people suggest finding peace. But if you flip the total opposite end of that spectrum, some people say, no, actually minimalism, like getting rid of clutter, getting rid of the stuff in your life that you don't use or that you don't need, only holding on to the things that you own, that when you see them or when you touch them or when you use them, they bring you joy. That's the only thing that you need to keep. And when you do that, that's how you find peace. And then moving on to another kind of subject, a different way that people try to find peace. Some people say that self-acceptance, just you're enough. Be okay with who you are right now. Internalize and enjoy and view as an okay thing, even your shortcomings and your failures and the things that you know you could do a better job at, but that's okay. Just accept that stuff. That's how you find peace. Well, people on the other end of that spectrum say, no, you can only find peace in terms of your personal growth if you are personally growing. As you mature and as you uh, become more and more skilled at changing the things about yourself that aren't who you want to be, that aren't who you view as the ideal version of yourself, that's how you find peace. And then some other people in the planning department of life, they say it's important to be true to yourself, be free, live in the moment, just enjoy every ounce of life. On the other end of that spectrum, people say it's important to be disciplined and scheduled and have a five-year plan and figure out where you want to be and how you're going to get there and who you need to network with strategically in order to do it. And you get what I'm saying here, that there are all different kinds of ways that people, like I said, whether explicitly or implicitly, believe that peace comes. And I want to talk about just a couple more here. This next one I think is important because it's a trend that I've been seeing in especially younger generations. So my generation and down. Uh, Some people think to find peace that when it comes to relationships, what you need to do is love unconditionally, is just, hey, you know what? People are going to let you down. People are going to hurt you, but they're family. People are going to do that, but 
blood is thicker than water. People give those kind of ideas, right? And just say, hey, we're in this together. No matter what, we got to figure it out. But on the other end of the spectrum, and this is the thing that I'm seeing in younger, my generation, I'm 33, my generation and younger, you hear this advice or primarily you'll see it online where people kind of find support groups and talk about it's important to cut toxic people out of your life. And they talk about the peace that they find when they finally cut off all contact with their parents or with their siblings or with that former neighbor, whoever it is. But it's usually these intimate relationships of immediate family members. And what I've seen is that the bar for the definition of what toxic means keeps getting lowered and lowered and lowered. And what people are, are doing is saying, okay, the way I'm going to find peace is just to remove some of the people in my life who disturb the peace that I otherwise wish that I was able to experience. And I'm not really going to speak to what the bar should be for when you say, okay, enough is enough. I really do need to remove this person from my life. I need to in order to grow, in order to be a healthy person, I need to get rid of this relationship. I understand that there is a line there, that there is a bar that does exist where you say, okay, I can't continue to grow and continue to be me when I'm getting emotionally beaten down by somebody, when I'm continually being manipulated and lied to and asked to jump through all these hoops for love and affection but I just want you to think about for a moment what I shared earlier, that I really do think that with my generation and younger, we're seeing this bar of what a toxic person that you cut off from your life, what that looks like. We're seeing that bar lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered. And I want to encourage you, if you've been thinking, man, one of the ways I can find peace is to just never talk to my dad anymore, never answer the phone, never text back, never let them be part of my life or know what's going on. I want to encourage you, before you make that choice, to try some of the other options that are available, to look at counseling, to look at it individually or maybe you with the person that has done, you know, these things that you're considering, man, life would be more peaceful if they weren't involved in it. And I want to encourage you, don't immediately jump to, okay, time to cut somebody off. Because when we're in the midst of this emotional turmoil, which I'm not saying is illegitimate, it can be really easy to just go to the extreme. It's like, well, hey, this is really tough and it's really frustrating and I really don't like it. Okay, just 
be done with this relationship then. Problem solved. It's easy to go there. It's easy to jump that far forward. But there are a whole lot of steps in the meantime that we can take. And, and I want to encourage you, if you are seeing a relationship in your life that you think is too far gone, that it could never change, I really think you'll be surprised if you take some steps forward at what could possibly change. Not that it necessarily will, but give it a shot. I want to share one more thing that uh, when it comes to finances, people are kind of on one end of the spectrum or the other usually. People that think, hey man, if you save for the future, if I set myself up for success, for retirement, I've got my retirement account going, I've got a I've got a um, college savings account set up for my kids. I've got this and that and the other. And that's how I'm going to find peace. And then you've got people on the way other side of the spectrum that say, you know what? Nothing's promised tomorrow. I'm going to live it up right now. I'm going to enjoy life, get every little bit of joy I can out of any of this income and money and opportunities that I have right now. That's how I'm going to find my peace. And there are a whole bunch of other things. If you didn't hear one of those that connects with you, think of what it looks like for you, whether you've actually said it and gone, yep, this is what I'm pursuing because I think this is going to bring me peace. Or whether as you examine your life, you see, okay, I've never said it out loud, but I've got something in the back of my mind that I'm building toward, that I'm working toward, that I'm deciding to live my life based on this. And I'm deciding this is how I find peace. And I want us to keep that in mind as we take a look at Romans, the end of Romans chapter 4 and the, the first verse of Romans chapter 5. Because Paul is writing here and we've talked about this briefly before, that when Jesus came and lived and died and was resurrected, he was the fulfillment of all the promises about the Messiah that had been made to the Jewish people for thousands of years. But a lot of the Jewish people didn't view Jesus as the Messiah because they had a different understanding, thinking the Messiah is going to be this conquering king who's going to set everything right, and it's going to be in a political sense. And when Jesus didn't do those things, then a lot of people said, okay, that immediately means he's not the Messiah. So there were people who were part of the Jewish faith for their entire life, though, who did accept Jesus as Messiah. And then there were also people who had no Jewish background. They would be the Gentiles. They said, no, we, we think that Jesus was the Savior of the world, the Messiah that was promised. So does that mean now we convert to Judaism or what do we do? Like, do we follow all these laws in the Old Testament? Do we, 
do we go into everything that the law included, which means all these rituals and all these different ways of living as a way to set ourselves apart from the people around us? Do we have to go through all this? Do we convert to Judaism or do we just say we want to follow Jesus? And Peter and Paul were two of the key figures that were shaping this discussion in early Christianity and that were trying to help people understand what it looked like to follow after Jesus. And so Paul, in Romans chapter 4, he's speaking about Abraham because you get he's making this transition that now we think of Christianity and Judaism as two completely different things. But he's writing at a time where people didn't really know what to make of this. And so he's, he's talking about Abraham, and he's saying that Abraham, what he chose to do, following and believing in God, when God had promised him that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the, the grains of sand on the seashore, even though, Paul writes, he was almost as good as dead because he was close to 100 at the time that God actually gave him a son. And so, in Romans 4, verse 21, speaking about Abraham, Paul writes, he was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why, and then he quotes, it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And then Romans 5 verse 1 there's a weird chapter break here because this is the same idea that's continuing. He goes on and says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read that last verse one more time because I want you to really get it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that little three-word line there, peace with God. I want you to let that sink in and let that settle into the nooks and crannies in your mind. Because so much of what we're trying to uh, organize our world into, the ways that we're chasing after peace, I think where a lot of that stems from is because we haven't believed or we haven't experienced or we haven't lived into this reality that if we have trusted in Jesus, because he was delivered over, as Paul says, delivered over to death for our sins, and was raised to life for our justification, 
we have peace with God. And there's so much of life that we spend chasing after peace, chasing after making everything okay. And I want to tell you that there are different passages in Scripture, one of them uh, where it talks about this peace of God that passes understanding, this peace that doesn't make sense. So you get that if it doesn't make sense, it must not be a peace based on circumstances. Because if it was, if the things we opened this episode talking about could bring peace, if the abundance of stuff or a total lack of stuff could bring peace, then it wouldn't be peace that passes understanding, right? It would be peace that we can figure out the formula and it's based on circumstances and we can completely replicate that. And so I can experience peace the same way that somebody else can. Or if it's based on living carefree or living totally planned out, how much money we have saved for retirement or how much we're enjoying life and taking vacations right now like we're not going to live until tomorrow. If any of that stuff could bring peace, it wouldn't be peace that passes understanding. And that's what God offers. The peace that we have with God is because of what Jesus did on our behalf and because of our faith in Jesus. It's a pretty amazing thing. And I want to add a little caveat. If you've been listening to all the episodes I've recorded, you've heard me talk about in the episodes that I talked about my own personal health struggle and where I shared about my journey of meditation. I've talked about the fact that I'm on antidepressants and that I live life now, it wasn't always the case for me, but now, with some anxiety. And sometimes it's more than some. I want to let you know that there are things that are hormonal. There are things that are genuinely going on in our brains that cause anxiety and that cause depression and that cause increased worrying and those kind of things. And I've seen sometimes, thankfully I think this is going away a little bit more and more, but I've seen this idea keep people, you know, saying, well, we're supposed to have peace with God. We're supposed to have this peace that passes understanding. So, I shouldn't be resorting to medicine. I shouldn't be talking to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I should just be praying and I'll be all set. I'm not trying to discount what God can and does do to bring peace to our lives. And I've shared in the episode on meditation how God did that for me and continues to do that for me. But I do want to add that caveat in there that medication can really help a lot. I'm not a doctor. I'm not 
prescribing that. This is something that took me a while to talk through and figure out with doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists, and I work through this stuff. But I want to let you know that I, I don't think that that's what this passage is talking about. This is talking about peace on a deeper level. This is not talking about, yeah, I struggle with stress and anxiety. I feel in some ways like my mind is kind of imagining worst case scenarios and then I'm having to fight those off. This is a, a deep level of peace to know that even when everything in life feels chaotic, I have peace with God. And we know ourselves, right? We know the most unlovable things that we've done or said or thought in a moment when we didn't think anyone was paying attention or maybe in a moment when we were doing it to try to hurt somebody. And in the back of our minds, we can be thinking, yeah, but how could God love that person? Because I'm not even sure I love me. How, how could God, how can there be peace with him? Like I say, this is peace not based on circumstance. This is peace that passes understanding. And because of what Jesus did, and because of our faith in his sacrifice and in his life and death and resurrection, we can experience peace with God. And it's a deep, deep level of peace. It's a peace that if you don't know it now, I want to encourage you connect with somebody who I'm guessing that all of us listening have someone in our lives that we're like, yeah, I think of that person when I think of someone who's following after God. Um, seek that person out and talk to him. Just share this verse even and say, hey, this Romans 5.1 is saying I've, I've been justified through faith and I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, help me, because I, I don't know that I really have that. Seek someone in your life who you feel like is experiencing that. And just talk to them about, hey, how do I find that too? And I think you'll find that they're going to have some great input and some great answers but part of this is going to be just trusting in him, just really letting go and actually surrendering to God and saying, you know, all the ways that I was defining peace before, they were based on what's going on in my life, right? How often have you heard somebody say, yeah, I'm, I'm trusting God for, and then they gave a really specific outcome. I'm trusting God for, this job to be mine. I'm trusting God for this house that we hope is going to be ours to that our offer gets accepted. I'm trusting God that I'm my mom or my wife or my husband or somebody 
is going to be cured from cancer. Think about all the ways that we talk about when we say we're trusting God. What are we trusting him for? And a lot of times it's circumstances. We're trusting that he's going to make the world more like we want the world to be. But when we see that instead he's offering us peace, peace with him, peace that passes understanding, that's a better gift than circumstances being aligned exactly how I want them to be. Because if the only way to experience peace is if everything's going perfect in our lives, we can only experience it for a half a day every six months, right? Because there's always something that's not right. There's always something that's off in life. And instead of saying, I'm going to make all your circumstances perfect so that you can experience peace, God's saying, you have peace with me. And I want you to experience a peace that's not dependent on circumstance, a peace that passes understanding. So let's go and actually let God Give us this peace. Let this peace permeate our lives. And when people see that, they're going to notice that there's something different. People are going to be drawn to someone who's experiencing peace in the midst of rough circumstances. And in those moments, we have an opportunity to tell them where that peace is coming from. It's coming from him.